so good to uh, be uh, here this morning. I really believe God wants to do some amazing things uh, in leading us into a fresh encounter with him. Uh, Roseanne, that word you brought is going to make a whole lot more sense after my preach. Uh, I always love it when God confirms things through prophetic ministry before you even get up to preach. If you know the journey of a preacher, you know that preachers tend to wrestle quite a lot with what they should speak about and often feel very insecure and nervous. And then God sends someone like Roseanne to say, this is actually what I told you you need to speak on, so do it. Um, And so that's what I'm going to do. We love stories here at Harvest. I love getting feedback from what God is doing. And I just thought I'd share one quick story with you. Um, This week I got an email from some friends, um, well, a a gentleman uh, who knows uh, uh, some ministry that I've done in the UK, in Birmingham, and he emailed me one of his experiences that happened. Uh, his wife was in one of the meetings that I was doing, um, and I brought a word of knowledge about someone with a rotor cuff problem. And uh, it was one of those words of knowledge that no one responded to. And you kind of felt like I definitely missed that one. And uh, kind of at the end of the meeting, his wife came up and said, look, I know you brought that word about a, um, a rotor cuff problem, someone who needed healing, for their shoulder, I know no one responded, but my husband um, needs to get healed. He's got a, a condition with his shoulder. He's got less than 30% of his movement in that shoulder and needs some healing. Um, and I, we prayed together at that moment, and unbeknown to me, he was seeing his specialist, the consultant, to talk about a potential operation that needed to happen. And so we're praying for him. Uh, in this context, at that moment, he's with the consultant, and the consultant, they obviously worked out the timings, uh, the consultant says, I need you to now check out what's happening in your arm. And uh, as he began to check out, he got his full range of movement back. So much so that the consultant said, you don't need this operation, what are you talking about? Um, And so God completely healed him, even though he wasn't in the meeting. I like how God does that, but what's beautiful about the story is that he was not a Christian. And uh, his wife had become a Christian uh, earlier that month in the meeting I I was doing, and almost um, uh, nearly eight months later, he decided to respond to Jesus and became a Christian at his wife's baptism, which then resulted in his son also responding to God's goodness. Don't you love... Don't you love it when God uses even words of knowledge that you think you get wrong? in order to encounter people. And so one of the things that we really believe here at Harvest is that God loves to heal. It's part of what He does, it's part of who He is. And there's great power in testimony that when we share a story of God's goodness, there is in and of itself an opportunity for that thing to happen again. The Bible says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when we talk about what Jesus is doing, there is prophetic opportunity and potential for that to happen again. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for people who might have shoulder conditions right now. You've got incredible pain in in whatever area of your shoulder, even into your neck. I believe God wants to heal some people this morning. So if you have that condition, I'm going to ask you to be very brave. Uh, If you're a guest here this morning, this is a safe place. We love people. We're not going to make you do anything weird. But we would love you to respond because God wants to heal you today. So if that's you, why don't you quickly stand up. If you have conditions with shoulder, anything to do with your neck area, we're going to trust God for some healing. Well, If you are, there's a whole lot of people that need healing today. Yay, God. 
If you are near one of these people and you're part of Harvest, we love doing ministry together. This is not a one-man show. We want to bless people. So why don't you put your hand upon um, the person near you, if you can. If you're behind them, grab their hand. Put your hand on their shoulder, on their elbow. You're allowed to move around right now. So, Lord, we thank you for this incredible story all the way from Birmingham, England, that God, the man, didn't even need to be in the meeting, and you healed him. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every condition in the shoulder, in muscles, nerves, whatever it is. Right now, I declare healing over bodies. I thank you that the kingdom of God is here and now. And we ask you, God, that you would begin to flood these bodies with your kingdom, that pain would go now, that mobility would be restored, that full function would come back to every single shoulder in Jesus' name. We thank you for that right now. Amen. Amen. Now, I would love it if you took the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes as I preach to test it out. Check out what's happening. And if you know God's healed you, if the pain is lifted, you've got more mobility, I won't be offended if suddenly you shoot up your hand in the middle of my preaching saying, my shoulder is now healed. Um, but when you check that out, do something. I know for many of us, we have to check it out over the next week. If God has healed you, if you've had some measure of improvement, please email us. I would love to hear from you. It really is such a joy to have my good friend, Jeff Kidwell. For those of you who don't know, and I, I want to take a moment just to brag on this man, um, this man took a risk with a crazy prophetic guy and invited him onto staff in 2001, 2002, and uh, let me loose on what was a growing church and still is a growing church and seeing God do amazing things. And you know, when you've got something good, you don't want to mess with that, right? And uh, Jeff, who is an incredible man of faith, said, hey, come and be a part of this and uh, mess it up for the glory of God. And together we got to see just an incredible expression of the kingdom of God in Musenberg, Cape Town. And uh, this man has been an incredible mentor and spiritual father to me, and I want to honor you for that. Um, I, I don't want to say this is platitudes and kind of flattery. Uh, literally, what formed in me, and I believe in us, over eight, almost eight or nine years in Musenberg, Cape Town, was a passionate desire to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. My passion for revival and the move of the Spirit was birthed in that context. And so I wonder if you would do me a favor. We love in this church to honor people and the way that we do that, and I know you don't know him, is by standing and applauding. It will just do me so much good, and I know him so much good, because I want to honor him for being an incredible spiritual father to me. So thank you. Thank you. Right, won't you turn in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 22. And if you can't find Genesis, you might as well give up. <laughs> if you're a guest here this morning, um, I believe God wants to meet with you. I believe he wants to encounter you. If you're not a guest here and you're part of our family, well, God wants to meet with you too. And this is going to be a good morning. Genesis chapter 22 and verses 1. It's a very familiar story. I think it's one of the craziest stories in the Bible, but let's go with it. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
So Abram rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place to which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. I want to pause there, so I want you to get the effect. Isaac is carrying the very thing that could kill him on his back. I mean, how crazy is that? And he took his hand in the fire and the knife, and they both went up, both of them together. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Thank God. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is one of those crazy stories right in the Bible that I just keep thinking, Jesus, what on earth is going on here? I don't know if you ever read the Bible like I do, but I try to put myself into the context. And uh, I just don't know if I could do what Abraham was willing to do. It seems completely outrageous. And it also seems slightly contrary to the character of God, doesn't it? When you think a, a sacrifice of a, of a boy. I mean, this is just incredibly weird sometimes. Do you ever think about that in, the, in terms of reading the Bible? Like, what on earth is going on? Um, and I want to unpack a few things today to help you come into an understanding that God is setting you up for an upgrade. That God is setting you up for incredible favor. I don't know about you, but I love it when promise is fulfilled. Have you ever had those moments when you've got a promise from God and then you see it fulfilled? It's always wonderful. And I can just imagine for Abraham, after years and years of trusting God for a baby, in his old age, his wife finally gives birth to the promise. The promise that is connected to his destiny. The promise that is connected to the purpose for which God had created him. And so he's waiting there and he's seeing the promise. He's holding the promise finally in his hand. And I love the nature of God sometimes. Sometimes God delays promises and fulfillment of promises just so that you realize it's not you who gets to fulfill it, it's him. Have you ever been in those moments where you're trusting and trusting and waiting and praying and it just seems like the jolly thing's never going to happen? I found most often that it's in those moments that God shows up and he shows off because he wants to remind you that it's not in your ability, it's not in your arm of strength to make anything happen. It's in the revelation of his goodness that all promises find their yes and amen. 
And so sometimes there's a delaying promise, and often in the delaying promise, we can get disillusioned and disappointed with God. But I've come to find that if you can press through the process that God is taking you, the promise is all that more sweeter. And so there's something about Abraham holding the promise in his hand, and a few years later, God wants him to lay down that promise. I want to encourage you, one of the key things to seeing a multiplication of promise is how you steward the promise that God's given you. Most often in churches, we are so preoccupied about what we do not see that we miss what we do have in God. You see, I, I found that Jesus, when he is wanting to multiply something, he's grateful for what he has. And so he takes some fish and some bread and he says, Father, I thank you. And it's in the context of gratitude that you see the multiplication of that thing. And most often, we derail our ultimate destiny because we don't know how to steward the promises that are fulfilled. We derail what God's calling us into in terms of our individual purpose and our collective purpose because we're not stewarding the very thing that He's already provided, the very thing that He's already given. And it's so important that we cultivate hearts and are willing to go through the process of stewarding promises from God. And there often comes a moment in that stewarding of promise. There often comes a moment in that working through the part fulfillment of the prophetic promises that God's given you, the part fulfillment of the purposes that are being fulfilled, when he says, I want you to give that very thing up. And it says that God tested Abraham. Now, this is one of the verses that I really don't like in the Bible because our Western Christianity is predisposed to comfort. Our Western Christianity is predisposed to me first. Our millennial, dare I say, Christianity is all about my feelings. Sweet Jesus, I'll move on quickly. And we've orientated a gospel that satisfies our immediate needs and what we feel and what we want and we miss the point of God wanting to change you to look more like Jesus in the process. But the testings of God is not about whether or not you're good enough. The testings of God is not about whether or not you pass or fail. The testings of God are His vote of confidence in you that what He's put in you through the finished work of Jesus Christ will stand the test and you'll come out victorious. You see, the testings of God are never meant to be about whether you pass or fail. They're meant to be an upgrade into your purpose and experience in revelation of Him. I don't know if you're facing tests. I certainly am. We've got pressures on every side, the things that we're trusting God for. And sometimes you can be fooled into thinking that there is a shadow of turning in the character of God that somehow He's testing just to trip you up and see if you will fall. But the Bible says that God is not like that. He's a good God, and most often in His processing, most often in His testing of us, it's to prepare you for an upgrade of your experience of Him. I, I'm so glad that God's getting us ready for upgrade. You're allowed to tell your neighbor that it's upgrade time. And so God says, I want to test you, Abram, and I want you to come up to a hill, I want you to come up to a mountain, I want you to journey around the mountaintop. I don't know about you, sometimes we think mountaintops are about the fun things. This was not a fun mountaintop right here. 
And so God says to Abraham, I'm going to test you. I want you to come up with me to a mountaintop, to a hill called Moriah. Now, when you read the story of Abraham, you'll see in your Bibles, if they have annotations, you'll see in your Bibles that it says there that they went up to a hill, and he called that hill, the Lord will provide. And at the bottom of that, you'll see a little number, and at the bottom you'll see that actually the translation is, he will see, or it will be seen. It's actually what the translation of Moriah means. It means, I will see. It means he will see. It will be seen. And sometimes we think that this story is about a story of provision, of God providing something for Abram, or about his obedience and faith to God. But actually, what the story is about is not provision, but revelation. God wants to journey with you up the hill called Moriah so that you can see something very different, so that you can Behold something very different so that your vista about who he is and the never-ending nature of his goodness will be transformed and that you will encounter him in a fresh way. You see, this story is not simply about provision. The story is about seeing differently. God wants to move you from provision to revelation. You see, very often we reduce our moments of encounter to, with God about the immediacy and the materialistic nature of our breakthrough when actually God is wanting to bring a revelation of who he is in his character to you. That the whole journey has been working towards something of a revelation, not something of just meeting your need. You see, the reason why I say that is simply because God wants us to see again. God wants us to journey with him to see something so different that it transforms our ability to trust him. And here's why. Abraham grew up in the Middle East, and he grew up in the land of Ur. Now, the land of Ur was governed by many different types of gods. Sun gods, moon gods, you name whatever gods you want, you can put it in there. All created in the understanding and thinking of men about how their gods would operate. And so for Abraham, actually, the idea of child sacrifice, the idea of your firstborn sacrifice was not a foreign idea because actually these people in that context, in those days, used to sacrifice their, uh, their sons and daughters regularly to God because their gods demanded all and then asked for some more. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I noticed that the God of this world demands everything and then some. And you feel like you're in a perpetual work system of trying to make something happen consistently, trying to work harder, earn harder, be more, do more. And you live in the cycle of giving all and being demanded of for everything and then some more. And so these gods were made and were designed in such a way through the imagination and the fallen nature of man so as to demand consistently and even demand child sacrifice. And so Abram's been on this journey with God, and you see this journey begin when God reveals himself to Abram and says, I am your exceeding great reward. He says to Abram, hey, buddy, I'm going to bless you. I, I love Abraham. He's like, what's he going to give me? And God says, I call that faith, so I'm going to give it to you as righteousness. The Bible says he counts it as righteousness, the expression of Abraham to say, God, if you are that God, give me something. And so he's on this journey of discovering this new God that his whole nation had not ever lived in. 
And I don't know about you, but the way you grow up, the context that you grow up, the culture that you grow up sets in your mind particular mindsets, particular paradigms that impact the way you see God, which is why God was never meant to be made in our image. It's why God is never meant to be made in our uh, fashion by our thought patterns. God transcends that. It's what makes him holy. He is set apart from any revelation that you and I have ever seen on earth. And so Abraham is doing this journey with God and you'll see that, that Abraham lives through this context of I need to give everything, I need to work hard, I need to do everything, and then I need to try and make something happen. And of course, you know the story, don't you? Abraham lies. Abraham does some stuff that are completely outrageous and contrary to the nature of God because he's trying to earn something from God, even though God said, I am your exceeding great reward. And you get to the point where you begin to see that Abraham sleeps with his slave girl and Ishmael is produced because the reality is you will never be able to trust God unless you've had a revelation of his goodness. For many of us, we're not convinced about his goodness and so somewhere in the back of our mind, we still think we need to do a little bit more. I better have my plan B just in case God doesn't show up. Am I the only one who thinks like that? But the beauty of who God is, is that God is not afraid to get into your cultural misconceptions. God is not afraid to be clothed in your inability to see who he really is in order to journey with you in the mess, in order to journey with you in the stuff that's going wrong and then to reveal his goodness to you. You see, God is not a God who simply demands all. He's the God who provides all. Oh, this makes me... You see, he's not saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me more, give me more. I want more sacrifice. I want more obedience. I want you to do more things for me. No, no. He's the God who incarnates himself, who gets in flesh, who gets into culture, who gets into mess. And he says, I'm going to be the sacrifice for you. You see, what God is doing with Abram in this context is not trying to see whether he has a lot of faith. What God is doing in this context is to reveal to Abram that that last bit of a lack of conviction in his own heart and mind about the goodness of Yahweh, that God wants to supersede that because he is kinder than even Abram could imagine. Sometimes we go through tests and difficulties and we think it's about how hard we need to sacrifice. We think it's about our self-denial. We think it's about how hard we need to work when actually the whole point of your testing season is not what God wants to take away from you but what God wants to reveal to you. And so he says, come up. Come up to Moriah. I want you to see something different. I want you to see who I am, that I'm not like the gods of this world. I will not let you down. I will not fail you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. I am not like the gods who demand your hard work and your hard effort. I am a God who not only demands all, but I provide all in my very person. God gets into the mess with you. God gets into sometimes even your confusion about him and he's willing to do the journey with you until you begin to see him for who he really is. And the ultimate expression of who he really is is the son who is God on a cross, carrying 
the very wood for the sacrifice. So you and I get to live in everything that he's already done for us right now. God wants to invite you to see again. God wants to invite you to understand that it's not simply about your ability to sacrifice or obey, but it's about his ability to break into your world. If you're facing a test right now, if you're facing difficulty right now, if you're facing something where you're saying, God, it feels like you're not around, feels like I cannot see you, I want to ask you to journey with him. I want to ask you to go for a walk up a hill. I want to ask you to go up to Moriah to see again. Because it's in the seeing that you will discover the provision. It's in seeing who he is that you begin to discover his goodness. You see, Abraham expected that God would demand all, but he did not expect that God would provide all too. See, sometimes we have a false image of God that he's good, but really, I still need to do my job. I still need to work hard. And that he's good, full stop. It's Jesus plus nothing. That's it. That's the beauty of the gospel. God steps down into our mess to reveal himself. You see, your testing right now is an opportunity for upgrade. Your testing right now, your difficult season right now, the thing that you're facing right now is not meant to make you do more. It's meant to reveal God's goodness to you more. The thing about Abraham and promise is that he gets this incredible promise from God. Son, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you offspring, and you'll be a father to nations. He gets the promise. He gets part of the fulfillment. He sees the fulfillment, and he's like, yay, God, I've got Isaac. And then God says to him, give this thing up. I, I wonder if the issue for Abraham was less about God demanding the son and more about Abraham relinquishing control over his future and over his destiny. That actually God is the one who's going to make this come to pass. God is the one who's going to work to bring every good promise to pass. And God is requiring that we relinquish control. So Abram journeys up with God and it's in the process of relinquishing control. He hears the voice of God, sacrifice your son. How many of you know that if Abram listened to the last word he'd received from God, he would have destroyed his destiny if he didn't wait to hear that voice, Abraham, Abraham. You see, for many of us, we often are relying on yesterday's word or the last season's word or the last word that God spoke. And because we're not leaning into the process, because we're not leaning into the journey, because we're not go, willing to go with him, we do not hear what he's saying right now. And sometimes we can miss our destiny because we relied on what God said last rather than what God is saying now. You see, God is a communicating, talking, loving God. He's not asking you to be a robot who follows him, waiting for orders. He's invited you into a journey of relationship. And at every juncture of the journey, at every juncture in this relationship, he wants to reveal another layer of his unending goodness to you. Are you leaning in? Are you leaning in to hear him? Because I wonder what would have happened if Abraham had stopped 
and sacrifice your son. Are you leaning in? Because when you lean in, it's when we get to hear what God is saying, which is most often the context in which we begin to step into our purpose. See, sometimes in the journey, we listen to so many other voices that we miss the clearest voice of it all. You see, it's in that moment of provision that something of Abraham's culture, something of Abraham's understanding, the way he grew up, that God ultimately one day will ask you to give up something that you require for your destiny. In that moment, he realizes God is better than I could ever imagine. If we can just learn to relinquish control. To go, God, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how it's going to work. But what I am going to do is trust you even in the journey when it doesn't make sense that somehow your goodness will be revealed to me. If you're facing testing right now, if you're facing difficulty right now, and, and I just want to say, as a prophetic minister, just a little insight. My wife needs one prophetic word to hear from God, and then she'll do whatever she, she hears. I need about 15 or 16. <laughs> I want to do the due diligence. I want, to, I want to know all the parameters. Ultimately, it does not reveal anything about the goodness of God, but it does reveal the lack of trust that's in my own heart. See, I've come to understand that doubt is not the opposite of faith. That doubt is the process through which we get to a place of genuine faith. You see, for many of us, we think that faith is believing really, 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 really hard. And so we work really hard at believing, and we quote all the scriptures that we think we need to quote, and we say, I'm the head and not the tail, and we read all the declarations as if to convince ourselves that somehow I'll get this right. But you see, the journey requires you to process the pain. It requires you to go through the doubt, because it's in the journey up to Moriah that you get revelation and see things different. And so I want to give you permission do not feel like you have to have the right answer in the difficulty. Do not feel like you have to have the right words in the difficulty. I want to give you permission to enter into the right process so that you see the goodness of God. I, when I grew up, this is now actually showing some of my age, but when I grew up, we had one of those little box, boxes where you, it'd be like little promises in called Bread of Life. I don't know if you guys remember that. Some of you are like, yeah, I remember that. And they will pull out all this incredible, you know, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I mean, it was just beautiful. Every piece of ground that your feet shall walk on, the Lord has given it unto you. You know, great is he who's in you than he that is in the world. Not once did I pick out a verse that said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> That's a promise in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. <laughs> if you've got breath, you will know that in this world, you will have trouble. 
But for many of us, because of our misunderstanding of getting to the end point, the breakthrough moment, the victory moment, we miss that God's wanting to journey with us to reveal his goodness to us in the journey, not at the breakthrough point. See, Abraham's testing was one of faith, not about how hard he believed, but convincing Abraham that he could trust the goodness of God even when God looked like all of the other gods around him. Because God gets into the mess in order to bring a revelation of his goodness. The thing that I love about this is that the ultimate way that God speaks to us in our test is through the person of Jesus. You see, the son who is God puts on flesh, incarnates himself, has his feet in the dirt of Jerusalem, gets into the mess of life where everyone expected God to come a particular way as the conquering king, the savior, the messiah. What does Jesus do? He comes as a suffering servant, enjoying the process working through the process, learning obedience in the process to reveal that the ultimate expression of God's goodness is not what God is doing for me, but what God has done through Jesus on the cross. And he puts some wood on his back and walks up a hill, walks up a mountain. And he pays what is needed to fully, fully provide for all that stops us from enjoying the goodness of God. He pays fully, ultimately, and finally for every sin that has ever been committed, past, present, or future, so that you and I would not need to pay anything. We just get to receive. You see, the God who demands all provides all. You might have a misconception about God today in the midst of your test. You might be thinking that God somehow is holding out on you. You might think that somehow God's wanting to teach you a lesson. I want to say to you, God is not the author of any kind of pain. God is not the author of sickness or disease. God is not the author of earthquakes, world events that bring devastation to people. God is not the author of pain, but I tell you what God gets into the pain. I love what Bill Johnson says. He uses a, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this in church, but I'll go for it. He uses a gambling analogy. And he says, God can win with a pair of clues in his hand. It doesn't matter how weak the hand looks. God has an ability to get in the mess. And he did so with Jesus. He got into the mess of sin. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin. He took on the substance of sin so that you and I could take on the substance of his goodness and righteousness. You see, ultimately, this story of Abraham is a story that every believer has to go through where we begin to exchange what we think we know about God through the testings of our life to getting a revelation of who God really is. You see, idolatry is worshiping a God made in our own image. 
genuine faith is trusting God in who he says he is. Here's the thing, friends. The historical fact that Jesus died and rose again, ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father, secures the fact that this momentary affliction I might be going through means that my ultimate hope is not in what will come, but in what's being done, what's already being provided, what's already being given. And I now get to hold on. The Bible calls it a hope, an anchor of hope, which pulls the future reality of that kingdom right here, right now. Your testing is not meant to be a setback. Your testing is not meant to see whether you pass or fail. Your testing is not meant to cause your pain. Your testing is a setup for upgrade. Will you come up to Moriah in order to see differently? Because God wants to invite you to see the goodness of his character. If you want to know what God thinks about you, if you want to know what God thinks about the situation, you need to look at the cross because everything that was demanded to fulfill all of the requirements that God needed to be fulfilled was fulfilled by himself in his son on a cross where he carried his own wood up a hill so that you and I would not need to try and placate or satisfy a God that demanded all because he is the God who provides all.